been in a serious target practice, and this is part two of a message the Lord gave me on a kingdom mindset. Today we're going to shift from mindset to mission, from mindset to mission. When I was a young child, I had two dreams. One never came to fruition, and the other one I'm living right now. And there were many roads that I took and detours that I took and negative circumstances that I encountered over the years. But once I started pursuing my dream and good and God things started happening along that journey, I had a mentor of mine ask me a question one time that still challenges me to this day. Then what? I want to begin this message by asking you that very same question that was asked to me about 14 years ago. Then what? When you obtain what you've been dreaming about, what are you going to do with it? Because you can waste your life achieving goals and going about in the busyness of doing, doing, doing. But the kingdom is about being more than it is doing. If you know who you are in Christ and you know whose you are, then the spiritual blessings will flow out of your life. But if you are just focused on achieving or obtaining or becoming and you never focus on being with the king, you'll fall short in every area of your life. When you focus on intimacy with the king, all these things shall be added unto you. Your dreams will come to pass right before your eyes, not because you've pursued them, but because you've pursued the king. And I believe in this season, it is more important than ever for us to get back to intimacy with our heavenly father. It's more important than ever that we understand what the scriptures say and we don't take them out of context. It's more important than ever that we stay in the fight, stay in the field, and stay in the race. Luke 12, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Do not fear, little flock, because it is your Father's good pleasure to give to you the kingdom. The kingdom. So how do we move from being purpose-driven to being presence-driven. you got to know who you are in Christ. You've got to know what he's called you to and what he's pulled you through. Romans 5 is our text today. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace. How many of you need shalom this morning? Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What does it mean to be justified? What is this justification theology? It's to look upon as righteous. You may not feel like much this morning. You may be struggling in your flesh this morning, but because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, 
he looks upon you and he credits to you his righteousness. You may not feel like much, but to the king you look like much because he sees himself through your war-torn flesh. It's not to make righteous. That's not what justification is. It is not the process by which you become good or a good Christian. That is not justification. It is to treat as righteous. And that is what I see missing in the kingdom today. We treat other people like dogs. And if God can look at you in your mess, in your private struggles, and see you as righteous because of his blood, why can't you look at your brothers and sisters and see Jesus in them? Even if they disagree with you on something. You know, the Bible says that we're not to judge. We're to judge sin, but we're going around judging people's personal health decisions. And most people doing the judging ain't got enough qualifications to pass a basic skills test. Dumb is not a spiritual gift. You know, I, I get tired of people that don't know what I know, aren't experiencing what I'm experiencing, can't grow a group past five, tell me how to pastor during a pandemic. You ain't done the funerals I've done. You don't get the calls that I get. You don't deal with what I deal with, and you're not held accountable like I am. So the best thing we can do for all pastors and all leaders and all teachers is we pray for them. We pray for them, for their protection and for God to speak to them in their decision-making. And not only that, verse 3, but we also glory in tribulations. <laughs> Somebody say, well, glory. I mean, when we've done all else, we just got to stand. We've tried everything else. Let's just give glory to Jesus this morning in the midst of tribulations. <laughs> Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. Then what? You know, it's more about the journey in the kingdom than it is the destination. God is producing something in you through every setback, through every failure, through every doubt. Something is being produced in you that cannot be shaken in your spirit. What is God doing in you? He ought to be doing something. There is purpose for the process. Perseverance, and perseverance leads to character, and character to hope. Now, hope does not disappoint <laughs> because the love of God Agape love, service love, sacrificial love has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Jesus went above and beyond when he didn't have to. He forgives you when you don't deserve it. He loves you when you're not worthy of it. He blesses you when you don't deserve it. He's Jesus. Much more then, 
having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. You know, I'm not afraid of dying. I'm really not. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm really not afraid of dying. There's things I believe I'm called to. There's things I want to see finished here that I believe I was put here to do. And I'm pursuing those things, but I'm not afraid of dying. It's a comma, not a period. I've got life everlasting waiting on me. I've got fellowship with the king waiting on me. I got a new body waiting on me. Glory be to God. I'm going to pick out a muscular one. I got purpose in the new heaven and the new earth. I get to reign with Jesus. I get to cheer him on as Satan gets cast in the lake of fire once and for all. I'm not planning on dying. I'm planning on my flesh dying, but my spirit ain't going anywhere. I'm not afraid of dying, not one bit. I don't mourn as those who have no hope. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I believe in the soon coming return of Jesus Christ. I believe in heaven. I believe in a new heaven, a new earth. I believe in a millennial reign. I believe in a rapture of the church, of God's people. What do I have to be fearful of? Now, faith is not a lack of wisdom. Has someone tell me, well, you, you shut down groups for two weeks. Yeah, so I'd have time to clean. He said, well, that's not faith. I said, do you take Tylenol when you get a fever? Come on, Willis. I mean, faith is not the absence of wisdom, friend. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Faith sees what you can't. What if by way of wisdom, the kingdom produces character the next three months and then the greatest outpouring in the history of the United States occurs? Because, see, I have a word from Isaiah 61 that I'll be bringing to you during my partner's conference, 22 promises for 2022. And I'm telling you, we're about to enter the greatest move of God we've ever seen in the history of the church. But we cannot let a lack of wisdom in this season ruin what God wants to do next season. We are on the verge of a great harvest. God is bringing people together in the midst of chaos like only he can do. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all sin. So Christ died for us. That was the act of love. He demonstrated his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, he died for us and he delivered us through the law of the Spirit of God. So we've been delivered. So this kingdom mindset, 
a domain over which a king rules. All that I taught you last week, the governor being the Holy Spirit, the king being Jesus, the local church being the embassy, we being his ambassadors, we being called to the ministry of reconciliation. We have a new citizenship in heaven, a newfound freedom in Christ that comes by way of the Holy Spirit. All of that last week. Jesus' mission statement was the arrival of a new government that was promised by the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Daniel. He says the government, Isaiah, the government will be on his shoulders and to his kingdom there will be no end. Additionally, Daniel says the God of heaven will set up a kingdom on earth that will never be destroyed, Daniel 2, verse 44. Daniel also prophesied that with Jesus coming, he was giving us authority, glory, and sovereign power, and that all nations and peoples of every language will worship him, and that his dominion will be everlasting and never destroyed. So your body may die, but your spirit lives forever if you're connected to a king and reigning with him in the kingdom. So yes, we can't live in fear. We must live by faith. But we also can't live guilty and ashamed. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ, Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm free. Somebody say, I'm free. I'm free because he set me free. I'm free because he died for me. I'm free. I'm no longer under the rules of religion. I'm in a covenant relationship with the king who has my best interest at heart. Glory be to God. And I'm a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. I have access to healing power, holy character. I've got access to riches. I've got access to wisdom. I've got access to purpose. I've got access to open doors, everlasting life, dominion. You have access. So, last week we ended with the law of the Spirit. Today we begin with a new rule to follow, moving from mindset to mission. What is the rule we must follow in the kingdom? Everybody say grace. And as many walk according to this rule, Galatians 6, 16, Peace and mercy be upon them, even to the Israel of God. Grace, abounding grace, abounding grace. It's what it says in our same chapter, verse 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. Here we go. But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. Everybody say abounding grace. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgments which came from one offense resulted in condemnation. But the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. So whether you like it or not, Jesus looks on you as righteous. Problem is, we don't look at ourselves as righteous. We speak bad about ourselves. We think badly about our past. 
We, we, we have no confidence because we've allowed religion to beat us down to the degree we don't feel like we can be used by God. That's a lie from the pit of hell, and it's a religious lie. God has so much more for you. And as long as you're connected with him, you will see great signs and wonders in your lifetime. If you remain in covenant and on fire for God, he will do things in your lifetime. You will see it and you will do it. Do you believe it? You can do it. You can do it. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Christ. So there's an abounding grace. Under the law of Moses, sin reigned. Sin ruled. But under Christ's new rule in his kingdom, grace reigns. Grace is the new rule to follow. Religious people don't like grace. Law and grace, they don't share the same throne. Grace is on the throne all by itself because of Jesus, the embodiment of grace. It's spiritually impossible possible for religion and the kingdom to be connected. So you have to make a choice this morning. Are you going to be a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken or a religion that brings strife? Romans 7 says, we died to the law through the body of Christ. So I'm talking about an abounding grace. Next, an amazing grace. Grace when you don't know what to do. Grace when you knew what to do and you got it wrong. Grace when you achieve your goals. Grace when you fall short of your goals. Grace when you're all alone. Grace when you're in a crowded room. Grace when your father and mother forsake you. Grace when the Lord lifts you up. Grace in the morning, grace in the noontime. Grace in the evening. Grace all the days of my life. I tell you, when I hear a preacher preach it greasy enough, I'll stop preaching it. I ain't heard one yet. We can't describe the gift adequately that our Savior poured out on us. And if he gives you this abounding and amazing grace, why can't you give a dose of it to somebody else? Death reigned from Adam to Moses. The gift of grace reigns above sin, it teaches us in this letter from Paul. Grace reigns above sin. The gift of grace has declared you this morning not guilty. Somebody say not guilty. The gift of grace, as I said, results in righteousness. But you've got to shift your mindset and start believing in yourself. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. You've got to believe in yourself the way God believes in you. You've got to take a stand in the spirit and go for your dreams. The gift of grace prospers you. Yeah, it prospers you. Third John says, I pray that you may prosper in all things, be in health, just as your soul prospers. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came to me and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. Listen to this. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in the truth. He wants to prosper you. Abounding grace. 
amazing grace, unaccepted grace. Oh, my goodness. The king, it says, has made us accepted in the beloved. Accepted in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. For what? By grace, we've been saved. We've been accepted. Some people live their whole lives never feeling accepted. That's where you have to move from doing to being. At some point, you've got to be okay with you. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning. I'm for achieving goals, setting goals. I have so many goals, long-term, short-term, whatever. But at some point, you got to be okay with who Jesus created you to be. you got to be okay with it. you got to be okay with it. And when your mindset shifts to mission and you're focusing on the king's work and you're doing it out of a love for the king, you'll surpass your goals. You'll look in the rear view at your goals because your shift, your mind has shifted to what's really important. Accepted grace. You've been accepted. And because you've been accepted, you have access. You have to understand that when you're weak, he is strong. They say the Apostle Paul had a thorn in the flesh, and some people believe it was his, his conjunctivitis in his eyes. He, he was nearly blind. He couldn't see, and his eyes would leak this green stuff, and he had all of these other ailments, back pain. He would have epileptic seizures, and, and, and not only that, he'd enter into a new region to preach the gospel and get his brains beat out and put in jail most of the time, and, and, and he, he had this thorn in the flesh. And it's been debated for centuries what it could be. Was, did Paul have this secret sin life or, or, or was it his physical ailments or whatever it may be? The point is it doesn't matter. My grace is sufficient for you. Power is made perfect in your weakness. It doesn't matter what your thorn is this morning. His grace is sufficient for you. When you come in covenant with the king, things begin to change. And how do you come in covenant with the king? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. You know, in this season, it's more important than ever that we make sure people know the Lord. I mean, we walk around and make things so complicated. Listen, people need to know Jesus. They need to know the real Jesus in this season. If we don't do anything but project Jesus in this church, that's enough right now. People need to know Jesus. They need to know they're loved. They need to know they're accepted in the beloved. They need to know that they have access to heavenly places. Yes, they have purpose on this earth, but we need to make sure that they know our Savior, that they know Jesus, that they're saved. This is about your identity. It's about being, not doing. Let me boost your ego Scholars define the human ego as a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. Repeat after me. Say, I know who I am. Say, I know I belong. I know I have nothing to prove. I am valuable, loved, and qualified. Give God some praise. You are valuable, loved, and qualified. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, Paul would say, 
that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined, which I taught you last week, is to set forth the path, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Did you know the Father takes good pleasure in you? He loves to be around you, man. You may not always like you, but he likes you. He doesn't like the sins. He doesn't like the filth. Of course not. You got to repent, get that right. But the one who he created and predestined, he loves. And you are accepted in the beloved. So yes, got a new rule to follow. Number two, we've got a new commandment to obey in this kingdom. Law covenant was based on fear. The law of love is based on faith and the finished work of Jesus Christ. In this love, 1 John 4, verse 10, not that we have loved, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So we've got to love one another. A new commandment I give to you in John 13, that you love one another as I've loved you. By this, people will know that you are my disciples. Listen, I've met some wonderful theologians in my 40 years nearly. They didn't have love. I've heard some wonderful sermons that lack love. I've met some incredible people that didn't walk in love. I've been a part of some powerful revivals that didn't manifest in love. Love is where the rubber meets the road. Love is what we need in this season that we are in right now. More than ever, people need compassion, they need love, they need respect, they need the power of the Holy Spirit, and we need faith. The love of God, this commandment to love one another, when we love others that are hard to love, it moves God. When we love people that don't deserve to be loved or don't deserve our love, it mends the broken. When you commit an act of agape love, of servant love, to someone who can give you nothing in return, it mends the broken. It brings reconciliation into the lives of not only the person you're showing love to, but to those watching you. A single act of love, forgiveness, kindness, mends the broken. It also motivates the lost to get saved. I feel I'm pretty well-versed theologically. Put in the time to be, certainly. But I'm going to tell you, I haven't forgotten my first love, and that's evangelism. And I'm going to tell you right now, nothing motivates a lost person more than love. I can quote every evangelistic scripture in the Word. I can lead you down Romans Road, but I'm going to tell you, nothing will get someone in a lifestyle they shouldn't be in out of that and down this aisle like love. And it's the most important thing that we do as his embassy. It's the most important thing we do as a church is share our faith. It's the most important thing. I appreciate everything else we do. Everything has its place and its purpose. Everything has its place and its purpose. But nothing is more important than the gospel and the law of love that we are commanded to obey. I close here, a new intimacy to embrace. This gets into the missional part of this all. John 
chapter 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Hebrews chapter 6 says this, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Maturity is what that word means. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God and of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. New intimacy with the king. That's where the mission starts is your relationship with Christ. Not just becoming saved, but your walk with God. Remember that old song, he walks with me and he talks with me. He tells me that I'm his own. Boy, we need to get back to that. I can promise you if you're walking with God and I'm walking with God and we're seeking his face, the power of God will not be held from us. The harvest of God will not be held from us. The favor of God will not be held from us. We got to have faith. We got to operate under the covenant of love and we have to be in unity one that's what the disciples were told before Jesus ended be one some of y'all been praying for a church to get in unity your whole life you've never seen it they'd be in spurts or spots but you've never truly seen it I believe we can see it here we've been close man we've been on the verge we've been on the verge it takes spiritual maturity to remain one a spiritual maturity it starts with a relationship it leads to righteousness and it is sustained by the resurrection of Jesus Christ in the old covenant there's a story that I love and I'll close with this it's about a young crippled boy named Mephibosheth the word Mephibosheth means crippled one there once was a young shepherd boy whose mother was a loose woman and his father hated him named David, who God anointed king. And David was best friends with that King Saul's son, Jonathan. And Jonathan is somebody I call the uncrowned king because he had the rights to the king. He was the legacy, but he saw something in David. And he was willing to lay aside his own ambition for David. They were covenant brothers. Jonathan and Saul eventually would die and David would become king and it was, it was custom that when a new king took the reins that every person from that former royal line had to be killed but when this was going down Mephibosheth was just a baby he was Jonathan's son grandson of Saul and, and he's dropped and he becomes lame in his feet he becomes a cripple so for whatever reason he goes off to this place called Lodabar. Lodabar means dry place. He's living in the house of a man named Meshur under the control of a guy named Ziba. Meshur means slavery. Ziba means no progress. So he's in a dry place, Lodabar, making no progress under slave rule. His whole life went from being born into a kingdom to now living in slavery in a dry place. Crippled. And that was the story till he got a call from the king. 
David. I love this story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 because it just reminds me of the love of God. The love of a king. David was a type and shadow of the soon coming king. And he calls and says, Is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show Kessid love and kindness to? Who can I show favor to? Is there anyone left? I believe he started remembering the covenant he made with Jonathan. How Jonathan sacrificed. How Jonathan sowed. How Jonathan loved. And he started remembering that covenant. And he said, man, is there anybody left? They said, yeah, there's this old crippled guy named Mephibosheth living in the land of Lodabar in the dry place. And David says, bring him to me. So Ziba brings Mephibosheth to the king. And he's nervous. He feels insecure, man. He's got the wrong mindset. And he says, and this is like so many of us living beneath our privilege in the kingdom. He says, what do you want with a dead dog like me? Dogs were considered nasty back then. I know y'all love them. I got three. But they were nasty back then. They weren't vaccinated. Oh, I'm starting something. My bad, my bad. I'm starting something. I'm starting something. I meant dog vaccinations. Y'all know what? Immunizations, whatever it is. He said, what do you want with a dead dog like me? I'm not worthy to be here. See, Mephibosheth had gotten used to being crippled. He'd gotten used to being broke. He'd gotten used to being depressed. His story was, my life's not fair. It's going to remain not fair. Nothing good ever happens for me. I'm not worthy. But he worshiped the king. And the story ends with Mephibosheth and Ziba and all his sons. They all took their place at the king's table. Everybody connected to this crippled young man showing no progress got to come to the king's house and find purpose. Maybe that one person that you show love to, maybe that one act will change your entire life. So I want to say this morning that the king is calling. You may be in a dry place, low to bar. You may be making no progress. You may be under slavery. You may be dry. But the king is calling. He's calling you to sit at his table. Even if your legs are crippled, they're welcome under the king's table. You are welcome in the kingdom of God. He is the king of all kings. And because he sent his son Jesus, who came in the flesh and dwelt among us to die for us, you have access to this king. He's already called. You just need to answer and make your way home. Make your way to the king's table. There's purpose there. There's prosperity there. There's eternal life there. You got to answer the call from the king. Bow your head and close your eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed. If the king is calling you this morning in the house or watching online, if the king is calling you and you're tired of being in a dry place, you're tired of not making any progress, you're tired of the way you think, you're tired of the way you live, you're tired of the same old smells, king is calling you. Get rid of your earthly mindset. Embrace a kingdom mindset. Move from a dead dog to a person that takes dominion. How do you do it? You gotta accept Jesus. He's already accepted you into the beloved. 
You got to confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You'll be saved. I want to lead you in a prayer. Help you do that with every head bowed and every eye closed. People watching online, driving, whatever it is. If you need Jesus, you want to answer the call from the king. Just say, Lord Jesus, King Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Come into my heart and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I believe you're alive and hearing me pray. I believe I'm destined for more. I believe I'm called to pursue and make progress. I'm leaving Lodabar. I'm leaving the dry place. And I accept your free gift of grace. In Jesus' name. If that's you in this house, I want you to scan the back of your seat. Register that decision with me. Pull out your smartphone. Scan that QR code. Let me know that you have prayed to receive Christ. Online, same thing. They'll tell you how to do it. But I don't want to leave this moment because I feel like the second principle of this that we can't neglect here is you can be on the right track in one season. You can be off the track in the next. Here Mephibosheth is. He, he didn't do anything wrong except be born. He didn't do anything wrong. He didn't do anything. This wasn't because of his sin. He was born. He was dropped by a nurse fleeing. He became crippled. He goes in just a matter of months from in the royal line to slavery. Some of you have been saved before. You've been a part of the kingdom before. You've understood your royalty as a son or a daughter or as an heir. But lately you've been settling for fear. You've been settling for second best. You've been settling for what this world has to offer. You've been settling for religion, which is your best. And you've turned your back on God's best. Likewise, the call from the king is not just a call for the lost. It's a call for the forgotten. It's a call for those who need to come back home. So I challenge you, if you haven't been faithful to the church, if you haven't been faithful to the word, if you haven't been faithful in sharing your faith, if you've been operating in fear, if you've been judging people, you've been negative, you've been criticizing everybody, you hadn't been praying like you should, repent this morning. What does repent mean? To change your mind. Change your mind about what you've been doing. Come back to the king. Answer the call. Stand on your feet, would you, all over this house? I know who I am. I know who I belong to. I know what I'm called to do. I pray that as you leave today with this kingdom mindset that shifts to a kingdom mission, I pray that you'll know who you are in Christ, that you're accepted in the beloved. I pray that you know you're a part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And I pray that you'll seek intimacy with the King. Heavenly Father, seal this with your precious Holy Spirit. Seal it up. Lord, we reject any curse that's been spoken over this house. We reject anything the enemy has tried to do, any strategy to shut us down or to keep us from being all that you've called us to be. We reject that by your blood. 
and we speak Holy Ghost favor, Lord, and we're holding on to the promises of your word. We are believing that it's going to start in September, a great revival, and that 2022 is going to be the greatest year in the kingdom for those of us that are living that we've ever seen. We believe that by faith, Lord. We expect it. For thine is your kingdom, your power, and your glory. And all God's people said, Give God a shout of victory today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.